Hey guys, we're back. Welcome to the IPS podcast, the CNTW IPS podcast, Working Better Together. My name is John Bond. I'm the service lead and I'm joined by some fantastic colleagues today. Uh, dead excited that we're recording a new episode of the podcast, almost the first one in a year. It's been a very long time, but guess what? This is the first time that we're actually together face to face in real life recording the podcast. It's dead exciting and a little bit nerve wracking, if I'm honest, but I'm um, really excited to welcome colleagues today. Um, first of all, we're joined by Joe. Joe, can you say hello? Hello, I'm Joe, Joe Clough. I'm a PR supporter here works of carers at a based at Palmer's Community Hospital. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us. And Lou? Hi, I'm Louise Tindall, or Lou, and I'm also based at the Palmer Community Hospital in Joe. I'm an employment specialist with the Community Chip team here. Um, so been in post for two years, two years in September. Fantastic. Um, and working alongside Joe. Thanks so much, guys. And we're recording at uh, Palmer Community Hospital. Um, because we're indoors, and together in a room we'll have to have we're slightly spread out and we'll have to have the windows open so to ventilate the room against covid yep. so if you can hear a few toots and uh, yeah <laughs> and random people shouting in the background um that's because we're in the heart of Jarrah and um, yeah, there's a lot of hustle and bustle. So hope you enjoy the background noise. Um, today, we were hoping to talk about getting into the NHS, getting jobs in the NHS, how we got into our jobs, um, the application process, the interview process and tips for actually getting started. Um, and hopefully this is, this is of interest to people who are looking to get jobs in the NHS. Yep or for colleagues who are in the NHS already but are wanting to move jobs perhaps and apply for new stuff. Um, so Joe, is or if I ask you first, um, did you always plan to work in the NHS or what What was he kind of, how, how old are you mate if you don't mind us asking? I'm 27, just 20, turned 27 yeah. And when did you decide on a career in the NHS? It was uh, really weird actually, I didn't I'd never ever considered a career in the NHS before. Didn't think it. Didn't think I could. Didn't think it was open to me. Um, and then through my CPN with um, AIP, I was put in touch with um, Louise, mm-hmm. and um, we don't. You know, we talked a bit about what sort of jobs I'd done in the past and stuff like that. Um, and I'd always worked in warehouses and all that sort of thing. Um, but it was really through Louise that I realised that these jobs are available at the NHS and that people like me can do them like having uh, the fact that I've got lived experience Mm -hmm. is my qualification basically um and it was through Louise that I realized that I could do it and she helped us apply for the job and it it all went from there and now I'm working here sorry I'm still getting back in the swing of things using the (laughs) recording this I hadn't my mic wasn't turned up when you met Joe and you started to get to know him. What was it that kind of made you think this guy would be amazing in the NHS? I think because Joe and I were first introduced again during COVID and we didn't really have the opportunity to meet face to face. The biggest challenge really, I think, for us was just all the contact we had was via telephone. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I recognised straight away was that Joe had real empathy um, and 
was very patient, mm-hmm. um, very keen to work with me. Um, and when we started to, to work together, he was open and receptive to ideas and, and thinking about different jobs. And when I was asking him about why he wanted to go back into a warehouse role, I kind of sensed it was because Joe thought, well, that's all all he'd ever done before, so that's what he was going to do again because it's what he knew. And I just thought through working with Joe and getting to know him a bit more that he had so much potential and starting to be aware of the peer support roles that were opening up within the trust and within the team, just imagining Joe in that role and, and working within the team. But also... I started to realise that the role that was being suggested, a new peer support role within the team, was for carer, was a carer, somebody with a caring mm-hmm. um, lived experience. And again, through conversations with Joe, understood that he'd had that experience. So when I realised that the role that was being developed was specifically for carers, I thought, what a brilliant opportunity to make Joe aware of that. And it was just one of those magical <laughs> moments that happen sometimes when the role that's almost written for Joe became available. And when we looked through the job description and the person specification, initially Joe was probably thinking, well, I can't do that. That's exactly what I was going to say. You can do that. You have done this and you have done that. And slowly I think you started to realise that you had exactly the qualifications that, that the job description was asking for. And it was almost like a... Like a light bulb moment, wasn't it? Joe, what was the crack when Lou first kind of mentioned this? What was your initial reaction? To the PS support role? Yep. Yeah, I didn't think I could do it. I thought, no. Like, like it, re- it truly was working with Louise that made us realise that I could do it. If it wasn't for Louise, if I'd seen that role in my own time without working with Louise, I would have thought, can't do that. That's not for me. I haven't got any of those qualities. But Louise helped me realise that I do have those qualities and that I can bring them forward. But uh, at first I thought, I can't do that. I think this happens so, so often that people see like interesting job adverts or something. Um, You know, they'll be, they'll see it on Indeed, they'll see it on NHS jobs, they'll see it on Facebook or something and they'll think that sounds cool. But uh, I mean, what was going through your head? Did you you even look at the, the job, the qualifications or anything? Or did you just see the title and think, nah? At first, yeah, just a title, yeah. Um working with people I, I always struggled working with people and stuff like that, but L- L- Louise helped us realise that I've got those qualities that make it easier to work with people I just didn't realise that the way within me mm-hmm. um, so having them be, like, being told that I can do it was really helpful and it really gave us that push to put the application in I've been itching to use the tr- the trap horn if I, if I may and it, um <laughs> The reason I wanted to sound it was that if anyone's listening to this and thinking about, um, you know, imagining wanting to come into the NHS or join a particular job, this is going to be the first point I was hoping we could call out was to talk about job opportunities with like a friend or someone you know. If, if you haven't got a, like an IPS a colleague or um, someone who knows loads about recruitment, just talk with your mates or talk with someone that you trust and ask them if they think you'd be good at that because that might be the first point where someone actually says, you know what, you, you should go for it. And how did that conversation go down between you two? I, I think initially it was... Um with Joe, it was Joe recognising his own self, belief in himself, really, and recognising that you, you could do it. And 
I think it was, I probably spent quite a bit of time just trying to build your confidence. Yeah, yeah. And just trying to say, why can't you go for it? What, what's stopping you? What, you know, <laughs> this you, you've got these skills, you've got these qualities, you've got these abilities. I think you'd be brilliant at it. Just let's just give it a go, you know, and we, but we worked together on it. That was the thing. Yeah. And I think it was, sometimes there were moments of self-doubt, wasn't there? Where you Definitely. Were thinking, Definitely. No way, this is not for me. What would I be, why would I put myself through that? <laughs> I think even like when um, you took us up to St. Nick's, Yes. to bring even that day I was thinking I can't do this job but you were talking to us in the car and told us that I could and I, and I went home thinking yeah I can yeah so yeah. and I think I think sometimes people just need a bit of support and yeah. just to know that they're not through that, through that process because looking for work can be very difficult it can be lonely sometimes I think if you've just got somebody you know holding your hand along the way like you say, just to bounce ideas off, have conversations. What do you think about this? Or doubts? What if this happens? How would it manage that? It's just nice to have company and support along the way. All right, second, uh, oh, second horn is, can I say something about risk? Because I, I really wanted to ask you, right, you know, um, you've had that conversation with Lou and she's in a pleasant way press ganged you no I'm joking she's you know encouraged you to give it a try and believe in you believe in yourself but I know from applying for jobs there's always that sense of risk and like what if I don't get it or like um, I don't want to let Lou down or I don't want to let like my f like if you've spoken to family or friends about it oh will people think I'm like crap or how did you how did you manage that in your mind in terms of uh, because I'll share how, how I think about it as well, but how did you, because it must have felt like a bit of a risk. It, uh, honestly, uh, applying for jobs and especially that job, it always is and it is a big, just a big deal because I, I do put alarm myself. Like if I apply for a job, I'll usually not tell anyone because the more people you tell, the more people there is to let down when you don't get it. Um, but when I was applying for this job, um, that I knew there was the possibility that I couldn't get it, but... Um, it wasn't as scary as it usually was because I knew if I didn't, um, I could go back to Louise and we can start working from there. Mm -hmm. uh, well, like I know if I was not to get it, Louise would focus on what I did right mm -hmm. and the strengths and stuff and help us come back stronger for the next interview. And I think for this position, when it did come up, there wasn't much time, was there, for you to, for you to There was apply. like a week. Yeah, so the, the vacancy ah. became available and... Um, you put an application through, didn't you, for the the online application yes. on the NHS website, um, which I sort of supported Joe with, but it was all very much Joe's words and Joe's passion and Joe's story. And I maybe gave him some advice on, you know, make, making sure that we were working against the job specification and the person specification, just to make sure we were hitting the criteria and looking for the points that we knew that the, the, was going to hopefully help you get through that application process. But it had to come from Joe. The words had to come mm -hmm. from Joe. So I, I, it was all Joe that made that application and put that application through. Um, but we worked on it together, didn't we? Yes. Just yeah. to make sure that we um, navigated our way through the processes on time because we didn't have much time to do it. Um, and then you submitted the application and then we heard pretty quickly that you'd been shortlisted. So then what we did was um, we created a little mock interview we did, yeah. situation. And that that really helped the mock interview. Yeah. I think if I hadn't had the mock, I don't think I would have done so well in the actual interview. Mm -hmm. It was a, it was pretty close to what the actual interview was like. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, on the day of the interview, it was way less scary yeah. because we'd been through those things earlier and it really helped. And I asked one of our colleagues to come along, didn't I? One of my, um, um, a colleague from the IPS who had been a peer support worker. Who was that? Look, can you name names? Was it Danny? I think so, yeah. Well, I was Danny or Jamie, sorry, I can't remember now. <laughs> and it was meant to be Stephen. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Sorry, I put you on the spot. Sorry, I was it Danny? I think it was Danny. I th- I the name Danny does ring a bell. It might have been both, actually. I think I asked Jamie initially, but then you spoke to Danny as well, who gave you some advice. It was Danny. It was Danny. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers, Danny. Sorry. Danny. <laughs> so, yeah, Danny Danny came along. So both of us had a, an interview. It was on Teams, but we knew your actual interview was going to be on Teams. So that was good as well, because it helped you get all set up technically. We were able to set your screen up yes. and set you up at home with your laptop and everything didn't we yeah so you didn't have to be trying to organize that on the day we, we knew that was going to work so that helped you prepare lou uh, i've got us on the tip alarm because that's a that's a good one some prepping mm-hmm. in advance testing our teams do a little test meeting mm-hmm. rehearse with someone perhaps mm-hmm. making sure we were set up on screen you know that the, the camera was nicely set up so we wasn't they weren't looking up joe's nose on the day of the interview just to make sure that everything he was looking yeah we spent a bit of time positioning myself didn't we on, on the first day like right move forward back a little bit come down to the left yeah that's it. The right about, yeah. i'm not joking i've literally taken like um a stage light to someone's house before because i wanted to like light them for this interview and uh we built like um a kind of tower of cushions for the guy's laptop and then had the stage light on one side um Whatever. It, it, ta- it does make a difference though doesn't it do you know like um because they're you know as as horrible as it is people are judging you based on that um initial impression on us it's an interview situation isn't it so it's got to be professional in, in the same way it would be you dress for the an interview you go along well prepared um and you know you perform on the on the day don't you so um we did that um that was a couple of days wasn't it before you had the weekend to think I did, yeah. I think the mock was on the Friday and the interview was on the Monday. That's it, yeah. So you had a a cut the weekend just to reflect and and think about things. And I think you had the interview on the Monday morning. Monday morning, yeah. And I can remember sitting through them and my phone went and it was you saying you'd actually been offered the job that day. So. Yeah, it was that day. They got in, <laughs> I think uh, Sam got in touch within a couple hours. Yeah. I was shocked. I was genuinely shocked. Yeah. But didn't she say the reason was she was impressed by your empathetic skills and you gave some great answers and she was really, really impressed with you on the day. So, so good. So good. Preparation is the key, John. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, that's what I was trying to think for people listening to this, either who are working in the NHS or who are interested in joining at any level in the NHS. First of all, you got to take the risk. you got to be in it to win it, haven't you? So. Yeah. I really appreciate it. It feels risky because nobody likes that sense of rejection and and feeling like you might not get it. But if you don't put in for it or if you don't express an interest by like contacting the people in advance or saying like, oh, this sounds cool, um, you're definitely not going to be in with a shot. So, um, And and I felt even if Joe hadn't have been successful that time, that the experience of being doing that prep work took away some of the fear mm. of, you know, what it, what it, what's involved in applying for work. So Definitely. I, I was really confident that even if you hadn't been successful then, you were good to go. Yeah. And that we would just try again for the next one and it was only a matter of time, really. I think that's a really common uh, a common thing that I hear people talking about that we meet uh, and friends, is you know, anyone who's going for jobs, that there's that sense that um, 
if I don't get it, it's all for it's all for nothing. Do you know like? Mm-hmm. But but like you're saying, I suppose what's actually happening is you're getting a hell of a lot of experience and you're learning, and you're you're going to go into the next one even better prepared. Yeah. So please take the risk and do consider, mm-hmm. even if you think the job's out of your. But John, I think as well, it's really important to approach people who have done that job before yeah. or in that job yep. um, other people I know have managed to go and meet with the employer or the person who's going to be interviewing mm-hmm. um, beforehand just ask for a look around and ask to see where you're going to be working what your base is going to be um, I think employers are impressed by that if you take Definitely. that initiative it shows you're really interested um, and I think Joe, again, Joe was open to speaking to anybody who had that experience of the role and you enjoyed speaking. I did, yeah. It was really handy. I suppose it Danny, mm-hmm. we had this conversation that earlier, Danny. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really helpful speaking to him. It really, um, because when you apply for a job like that, you've never, I've never done it before. I didn't know what it was sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, your mind sort of runs away with what it, what it actually, what the job entails. So, um. It was handy to have someone you speak to who has actually done the job yep. and can make it seem a little bit more realistic and attainable to you. No, absolutely. <laughs> a lot of people that I speak to, so when we're advertising for IPS jobs, sometimes um, say, say we're, we're advertising for two jobs, we might get 20 applicants for those two jobs. And of those 20 applicants, five will get in touch, I would say. Like five people will reach out beforehand. Mm. They might send an email to the IPS email address or they might somehow get hold, stalk me on LinkedIn or something. <laughs> and they'll say, um, can we have a chat? Yeah. And in my, just like you're saying, Lou, in my head, the people who are doing that, they're on the game. Yeah. They're like, they're dead interested. They've done a little bit of research. They're making the effort. Um, I would say if I can offer any advice to people who are, who are thinking about doing this, never write to somebody and say tell me about the job a lot of people some people have done this where they write and say tell me all about the service and exactly what i should say in an interview <laughs> and and ne- guess what why would why would anyone want to do that work for you like it's unrealistic to expect mm. people yeah um so tr- try and put your mind put put your imagine what it's like oh it's that loose phone <laughs> lou you've got to get them on the podcast will you please Sorry. <laughs> Speak that phone. Who is it? Just a husband. Really yes, Spicy pops. Excellent. Um, <laughs> we might keep that in. We might keep it in if it's okay. It's John, isn't it? His name is John. Yeah. John, shout out. I hope you're making the spicy prawns. Um, just saying. So do, do think about putting yourself in that manager's shoes right if you're writing to them and saying what do I need can you tell us exactly what you say in interview or whatever they're going to think who's this person who's like who's this chanter instead get in touch and say I'm dead interested in the in the role I'm dead interested in your team could I pop by could I have a phone call something like that mm-hmm. that's good yeah absolutely but don't write and say can you explain the, the whole answers. job description <laughs> yeah or give us the answers because they're going to think oh man this person's not done the homework they're not interested um what was it? Did you say you, you met Sam, the manager here? I didn't know. All right. No, she was on holiday, actually, if I remember right. Yes, she was, yeah. <laughs> but like you said, you did meet with p- people who'd done the role before, so. Yeah, PS supporters, various PS supporters yeah. and stuff, yeah. yeah. And I think um, before I started, I'd, you'd, I went to St. Nick's and I met I met John. Yeah. Um, 
And a few other people as well. That's right, yeah. You came up to have a, we had a look around and introduce you, didn't I mean, you? So Joe, I think you had to come up for HR, didn't you? And fitness yes, and, yeah. and stuff like that. But that was more time for me to, just to come along and, and share the journey, if you like. Yeah. And, and making it a bit easier because, again, coming into an NHS set, setting, clinical setting, can be quite daunting, you know, um, if it's not somewhere you're used to navigating your way around. But actually, we had a nice, a nice morning, and we we met some of the team, and we had a coffee, and it maybe took away some of that fear. Hopefully. It did, it did, yeah. It's normalising, I suppose, isn't it? Like you're just meeting with colleagues, and it's suddenly, yeah. it's very, it's well, very. It, it did it normalise? Did it normalise the entire environment? Because mm-hmm. um, I think, especially if you are in services. Um, clinical environments can be quite scary yeah any yeah. sort of hospital stuff even like Palmas is quite a friendly easygoing place but if you're from that side of the door so to speak um, it can be quite intimidating so it was it did it did um help normalize things being around that environment and uh meeting people who do the job and realizing that they're not scary doctors all of you no i think when you came to join the team uh obviously i was around and introduced you to people but um, Sam obviously made you really welcome here as well, didn't she? And yes. The, the only thing really, I suppose, with Joe joining when he has is there's been a disruption due to COVID where people hadn't been fully, the team hadn't fully returned to base yet. So I think at that point, there were still people on the water, wasn't there? Yes. So you were only getting to meet half the team. I've still <laughs> not met time. everyone at Palmas yet. <laughs> it's quite a big team. Um, and we're only starting to come back gradually now, yeah. um, fully. Um, but I think we're all enjoying now getting back together again aren't we um and you're starting to build a caseload now aren't you i am yeah i've got a, i've got a kind of few actually good mm-hmm. pretty busy and you've been so half your time is obviously at palmas but you're also meeting people in the community as well. yeah yeah i go out and about i meet people at the houses i meet them in the community um anywhere they want to meet basically it's whatever i was more comfortable with the person mm-hmm. um because like i said a lot of people don't want to come to palmas in the clinical in the clinical setting no. um and people are more comfortable meeting in a cafe that they know or yeah. at their own home. And I think our roles are best when it's face-to-face. Yes. Isn't it? Because people like to be able to sit and have a conversation with a person instead of trying to do it virtually or over, over the telephone. And I think, how many phone calls did we have last year? Hundreds and hundreds of phone calls I had. But you and I meeting for the first time was, well, was so much more valuable, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. So the fact that we can actually start to do that now with people is, is great. Yeah, so I think part, like most of the job is making that connection mm-hmm. and it's hard to do that over the phone. Mm-hmm. I find it really hard to connect with people over the phone, but when you meet somebody in the community mm-hmm. and you just have that instant connection with somebody and you just sit and chat and get to know them, it really helps facilitate that rapport that you need with people to help them. Definitely. And that's something that we really need in this in our roles, isn't it? Being able to get that rapport going with yes, people. Yes, yeah. I was thinking for people listening who, you know, may have worked in the NHS for a long time or who have never worked in the NHS for a long time, everyone will have friends or family or they'll have, you know, experience of building friendships in one walk of life or another. And so if you're thinking about applying for jobs, don't think, oh, sugar, I haven't got any like therapeutic skills as such. Yeah, guess what you have? Like the way that you speak to the checkout lady at Asda, that's arguably a therapeutic skill. The way that you're like 
make friends with your milkman or you look after your neighbor, mm. all of that counts. And you can use that in applications and say, actually, I'm really good at building relationships. Mm. Um, it just so happens that you haven't been able to put that to into practice in a clinical setting yet. I think that was a big, a big thing for me. Like, um, talking with Lee's and about other jobs I've done in the past, say warehousing and stuff like that and what my skills are. And I knew, I knew back then that, that I was, that talking was a strong point for me. Like I, I like, I like being with people. I like talking with people. I just didn't know it was a job skill. I didn't know you could, that you could go to like an employer and say, oh yeah, I can talk to people. And people go, oh, I'll hire for that. But <laughs> it does, it's, totally it is, totally. it's all about talking to people and getting to know people. And it is a marketable job skill. Of course it is. It's a, it's a fantastic skill, but your ability to help people feel comfortable as well and asking the right questions to encourage those conversations. Um, and that comes with practice, you know, um, listening to people, listening skills are, is a real skill. Um, open questioning and all those kind of other things that you've learned about. Um, those are the most valuable yeah. assets really, aren't they, in this role? I think something which we take for granted maybe especially with peer supporter roles is that um we encourage people to talk about uh their story their their journey um and i don't mean that in a like a belittling way because it's really it's really important it's you know like you were saying before it really qualifies you for the job you know so much experience so much passion so much um ability to relate and empathize with others but i suspect people who perhaps haven't experienced mental health difficulties um i've seen it so many times before when people come in to interview and they don't really tell their story they talk about like you know the standard things punctuality honesty um ability to operate microsoft word and stuff like that it's good but um interviewers really want to know about you as a person and about your you know what is it about your life what makes you tick what makes you get up in the morning and why would you be brilliant in this organization whichever organization that is so mm-hmm. anybody who's thinking about applying for a job or, or going for something think about your story and try and tell the person like a bit of a story about you because that's what they're about to invest in that's what they're interested in they do want to know about microsoft word but that's a four millisecond conversation um so like joe has said try and think about how your kind of journey and story relate to the job role and make it fit somehow practice that story a bit and then go into the interview and absolutely smash it make it personal like i think yeah one of the things that really helped me interview and it, get, it got mentioned after my interview by sam um i was asked the general question about a time you had to plan something and what you did you know what i mean um and i told a story about having to plan a dnd session and it was quite personal it was quite personable to me what's dnd joe for people who don't know dnd is dungeons and dragons tabletop <laughs> role-playing game mm-hmm. um and sam mentioned after the interview that 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 really jumped out at her um because it was a per- it was a bit of personal story from me and a bit of my personality shown through and uh, i think it did go a bit of ways to help them just get the job 100% because if you think a lot of people are going to be rocking up at that interview and saying similar things like I've got lived experience or oh, I'm dead passionate about people and um, that's great but you, you've got to like bear in mind your competition and people are probably going to be saying similar things so anything you can say which helps you kind of stand out and seem you know like obviously it's relevant you made it relevant didn't yeah. you you didn't just say i like doing this <laughs> by just, the way just shoot one in the conversation <laughs> by the way I but, um, but that's really important because making it like showing that it's a transferable skill you're organized you can bring people together yeah. 
there's that st- all the strategic stuff what, however far into it you went um, it paid off man and other people could totally do that it's not it's not hard work either because you're just talking about yourself yeah, yeah. and I think Joe's a very genuine person and, I, and I, he never tries to hide anything you know and I think that was that always comes across as well in the way that Joe communicates with people he's very open and and He's easy to get on with and people warm to you. That's the thing. People warm to you and they feel quite comfortable with you. And that's the fact. Probably, again, another skill you didn't even know you yeah, had. Yeah, probably. But I think this role is just going to see you grow and you're going to recognise even more of those skills that you, you didn't even know you had. And I think this is just the start for you, you know. I think there's lots and lots of opportunities for you to grow in, in this role. Um, and that this has probably brought you into the right environment because... It's- what I said to Joe at the time was, you're going to be working with people who are the best, you know, the best people at their in their profession. You're going to get a great education. You're going to be working with some really like amazing people, and that's the kind of environment you're going to grow in. The amount I've learned over the past four months is just phenomenal. <laughs> like I'm always like stuff you get in emails sending it to myself because I'm thinking that, that's handy for me that helps me <laughs> in my life you know what I mean and people are really knowledgeable yeah. and it's it's something as I do just sit and listen and just soak it all in because yeah. there's so much going on and there's so much knowledge being shared yeah and that's the thing is I can see your confidence growing as well I feel you my know, confidence I, growing I, I, we sit in meetings and stuff and I can see Joe taking the lead and talking about stuff and Joe started he's involved now at the recovery college yeah He's running a photography course. Mind photography, yeah. And Joe's taking the lead and taking the initiative to talk to people about that and raise awareness and and just them. It's amazing, really, how much you've managed to achieve in the last couple of months. Thank really you. Proud. That's Thank you. so much epicness in one minute of speech. I can't quite <laughs> process it in my mind. It's absolutely amazing, and it's so so lush to, to hear talking about it genuinely. Yeah. Like, um, I hundred percent agree that, uh, like. It's a major, major seller point of coming at the NHS. I think that you're surrounded by really passionate and experienced people and you'll not, without even trying, you'll osmose information. Mm-hmm. Like you, were, what you were saying there, Joe was so lush, like so, that sometimes you just sit back and listen because yeah. you're totally bang on, man. Um, you're absolutely right. That, that That is what it feels like sometimes. You're just oh. in awe sometimes of the... Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, John, as well, everybody's keen to share the knowledge. Um, certainly in this team, and I know from other teams, I hear the same thing. Everybody in this team loves you to go and ask what what you're doing, what's your role, what's your part in in this person's recovery. You know, people are happy to share the knowledge and share information with you. And if you're genuinely interested in finding out um, about other people's roles, I mean, I didn't fully understand what all the different roles were within a community treatment team until I joined. But just be confident enough to go and say to somebody, "What do you do? What's your role? How do you how how do you?" fit in here and and I love it if people come and ask me yep yep you know, yep especially absolutely especially a new member of the team comes on board um try to introduce yourself go along and say I'm I'm here and this is what I do who, who are you just don't be shy I suppose that's the thing just just absolutely people, that confidence. we get it a lot in IPS don't we with businesses businesses mm-hmm. will say how is that nature like I didn't even know it was a mental health trust mm-hmm. how does it work what's it look like mm-hmm. um but uh, uh, carers as well, parents, carers, friends, often uh, like they'll take it aside and just say, can I just ask a second, like what what, what does this mean? What, what's that doing? Absolutely, people are well up for it, aren't they? They wanna kind of share this information and 
um, for people who are looking at joining the NHS. Like, obviously, you can do a bit of Googling, but there's absolutely no harm in making a phone call or sending an email. And personally, I love receiving those, like a random email from a member of the public saying, how, how the hell do I get into the NHS or IPS or whatever? And those are the ones which I spend time replying to or arranging a meeting with, because I think, oh, good on you. Like, Show for, some initiative, don't absolutely. you? Absolutely. Take, take initiative and ask the question. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. We kind of touched on it. Um, we touched on it there briefly, but Joe, I wondered if, and this is a big question, and there might not be a straightforward answer to it. What's it been like joining the NHS during such a period of of turmoil? Like Lou talked about, this being a really tough time to start a new job. Um, what's it felt like? It has. It's been really, really weird. Like, I know my first maybe three, four weeks. It was a. Re- it was really strange because I was so I was eager to get out there get like second body people and join in with stuff things like that but um the fact that during covid people were just so monumentally busy just just rushed off their feet busy um so it was kind of a weird period where i was wanting to help people but i didn't want to ask if i could help for fear of taking them away from the massive amount of work they had to do um so it has been weird and there is stressful times um but so it's been it's been good as well. I think it's really it's really helped me, just being just having this place to come to every day, mm-hmm. um, especially over the past eighteen months with COVID and stuff. I've I've essentially spent spent it alone, so having somewhere to come into work is fantastic. Um, but no, there's definitely um, hurdles to get over when it comes to working during COVID. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, uh, we've talked about it loads as a team in IPS about how us, our day jobs have, have probably been one of the things that have saved us from like mental ill health and f- physical ill health. Like being part of a team. Definitely. And being able to plow like your energy into something. Um, but by the same token, it's also that constant like um, there's great there's great things, isn't there? Like, do you feel that sense of camaraderie? Yes. Like it was interesting. You said that. Um, that phrase before about um, being on the other side of the of the door and like literally in Palmer's there's um, there's a door isn't yeah. there separating like the clinical area and the um, kind of the staff the staff area. So what did it feel like crossing that threshold and did you feel that camaraderie? It was it was really really strange. Um, I think at first in the first couple of days it was just a sense of wonderment, like oh this is what it's like behind here behind the curtain. Yeah, but. Um, I think after I, I, I got a little bit nervous afterwards because then I started thinking like you know hang on I've been in services these people might know me through there um, but that's nothing to worry about because it's all confidential and stuff like that um, and now I think it's 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 really important to have somebody to be the middle ground between that side of the door and this side of the door I've been on both sides so I can help communicate through the door, if you know what I mean. Oh, this is a good, this metaphor has got legs, man. That's that's well good, definitely. You, you kind of touched on it there, little horn honk. Um, imposter syndrome, did you feel it when you were on that side of the door and when did it kick in? Straight away. Right. <laughs> Just, yeah, definitely feeling like um, shouldn't be here, not clever enough, that sort of thing. Um, but the, you the one thing about the team is you do feel like everyone is equal. Not there's not a single person in the building who I think feels that they're above you. Yep. Um so it, it was quickly dissipated and, and I think I very, very quickly settled in the team and feel very comfortable with them all. 
Brilliant show. That's true. And I mean, there were some challenges because just trying to remember everybody's names, you know, is a, is a thing of passwords, pa- so many passwords. <laughs> I've just, I changed my password today on my laptop and every single time I've logged on, I put it in wrong once. Sorry, that's the incorrect password. Yes, I know. <laughs> I changed it 30 minutes ago. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, different. it's a different language in a way, isn't it? As yeah. Because well? there's a lot of things, new things to learn. Um, and it can be a bit overwhelming, definitely in those few, in those first, first few weeks, but... One of the things that we can do as employment specialists is we offer in-work, ongoing in-work support as well. So to the person who starts a job, we're there for as long as it takes. There's no cut-off point, really. Um, we, until actually you and I got to a point eventually where we, we're working as colleagues now. Yeah, yeah. And we didn't feel that you needed that ongoing in-work support. But we reached, we reached that conclusion mutually, didn't we? Yeah. Really? So, um but so that's the other thing we could do is be there for any of those little queries that, that crop up, such as like, um, you know, we, we talked about Rio, didn't we, about how to get yeah. that set up. All the, just all the little queries. things that need ironing out, isn't there, yeah, that you really helped us with? Little daft little things, really. <laughs> but it's just because I've been through the process as well. I started here as well. I had to come to this team and I didn't know anybody, introduce myself, get to know, try to understand what my role was within yeah. the team, you know, my, my place within the team. And I certainly sat in some, in some meetings initially, pathway meetings and thinking, what have I got to contribute to this? These guys are experts and I'm sitting here, what have I got to say? But actually, eventually I started to find my voice and I got to a stage where people asked me for my input and my thoughts and I could contribute to things that I never really could considered before. And that, again, that's just something that comes with confidence and time. You've 100% got to cut yourself slack, haven't you? Especially mm-hmm. when you new into a role that those feelings of being a pretender or being the common one, which would go through my mind and we talk about this in, I- mm-hmm. in the IPS team loads, is being found out. <laughs> Someone's going to find out <laughs> that they've made a mistake and I shouldn't be here. And that's what I, I kept thinking when I first started over the first couple I kept thinking, how have I tricked all these lovely people into thinking I'm good enough to work here? No, I, I think it's the opposite though, that it's a sign of a really good clinician because you're very self I don't just mean, I mean, you are very self-reflective, Joe, but I think all like really good staff have that little bit of self-doubt, which is kind of healthy because you're kind of reviewing what you're doing and thinking, am I really as good as I think I am? And the, maybe the people that we should be worried about are the ones who are like, yeah, I'm amazing. <laughs> I know everything. Yeah. Like, no. no I think self-doubt is, is a pretty usual <laughs> reaction to have. Definitely. Yeah, but being able to ride that out and think. Uh, but absolutely, but then one day, I mean, like, like the other day I walked past and I saw you sitting in a, in a, a meeting room, in a consultation room with somebody, talking to someone, and I thought, wow, you know, and I felt, again, I felt really proud again because I thought, it's he's nailed it, you know? And that's so you think back to when you started that first week or the first couple of weeks and you were like... <gasps> like you know what am I doing here to where you are now and you just look so natural and and so comfortable in the the position and you you probably don't think twice about it now every now and again I do just need to stop and remind myself myself that I've gotten this far so far yeah like at every review and supervision I've had I've had that feeling of being found out like oh (laughs) people are going to realise I'm I'm rubbish and they're going to but 
every time it, people just people keep telling us I'm doing well. Yeah. So I do just need to stop every couple of weeks and go. Actually, you are doing pretty yeah. good. Um, and every like every I still get days where I think I've not done a good job, mm-hmm. but you do just have to write it out and remind yourself that actually you are doing a good job, yeah. and everyone has days where they're a bit off. Yeah. But it's about writing it out, and most mm-hmm. important thing here is you know mm-hmm. if you do have a bad day. That there's plenty of people there to talk to, to support you. To talk it. about it, and that's the thing. And we have regular supervisions, don't we? Yeah. Interviews with line managers and that kind of thing, and that's the opportunity that we have to talk about any concerns, anything that we think we need support with. Do we need more training, or do we need you know to put more conversation on a certain subject? You know, I think we're encouraged to have those conversations, aren't we? And that's yeah. the point of a supervision is to give that feedback as well as. You know, your manager can tell you you're doing great at certain things, but it's also for you to say, well, that's good, but I still feel like I could do with some more support in a particular area. So open, honest and transparent, that's what we are, aren't we, when we have those Louise, you win 10,000 brownie points for mentioning the trust values on the podcast. John Lola is going to come and give you a golden star. And I, <laughs> that's very good. And uh, no, seriously, it is like, we do live by those values, though, don't we? It is important. Um Oh, I forgot my train of thought. Um, yes, that was it. Uh, you mentioning about supervision made us think uh, if anyone's listening to this and maybe they're not necessarily in our trust, but they're in a business or an organisation where they don't feel well supported or they haven't got fantastic supervision like we have in CNTW, um, there's some cool documents on the interwebs, like the Surviving and Thriving at Work mm-hmm. document. Um there's also, if you Google the Job Retention Network, um, there's lots of resources on that website, which are specifically for people who are in work and maybe they're experiencing like fluctuations in their, in their health yeah. and they're not sure how to broach those conversations. There's like brilliant, brilliant guides and all this stuff is free and the vast majority of it, it's, majority of it has been written by people who have experience of mental health difficulties and difficulties man- um, kind of navigating employment or getting the supervisors on board. So if if anyone i'll try and put it in the podcast notes if we can edit them um surviving and thriving at work which is by rachel perkins and um the job retention network if you just google like uk job retention network there's a whole resources section there and all of the stuff in those guides is dead self-explanatory so you don't need to be an employment specialist to use them um that they're designed for, for anybody to access so check them out if you're interested in that type of thing um guys We've recorded the first <laughs> podcast of the new era. We've actually done it. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, is there any kind of shout out? Obviously, we want to give a shout out to John and the Spicy Prawns tonight, Louise's husband. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I think, yeah, I think again, the, the team here, at, uh, the community treatment team here, and for welcoming me, welcoming Joe, and encouraging. Um, encouraging us to grow. Yep. Um, we're really pl- proud that the IPS team is growing here at Palmer Community Hospital with colleagues coming on board and really excited to, ha- to have the opportunity to welcome more people um, on board. So yeah. Maybe we could invite those people to a podcast soon like when we'll have new colleagues joining we'll, we'll, we'll ask if they'd like to come on mic and have a bit of a chat about what it's like and yeah. where they've been and all that type of thing that'd be cool. I yeah. would like to give a special shout out to Zanty the guide dog <laughs> just because he's brilliant. Mark's dog. Yeah. We're, we've talked before about trying to get Mark on the podcast as well yes. haven't we Lou? Yeah. So Mark this is a formal invitation yeah. in public now. And Zanny. Yeah, and Mark and Zanny. I think it's very important Zant has, has a mic and some headphones for <laughs> Nice one. Thank you guys so, so much for your time no today. Um, 
we are going to commit to recording a podcast at least every fortnight but maybe every week if we can do it we've got loads of ideas haven't we've written a giant list in the ips team and we're hoping to welcome lots and lots of different guests and interesting folk um if you're listening to this and you're interested in talking or sharing some ideas or coming on the podcast please really get in touch because we'd really really like to hear from you and would love members of the public other people in cntw in other trusts in other ips services to come on um we could invite you up to the tune or we can do things over microsoft teams as well so don't let geography or distance be a barrier um can I just say a massive thank you to Louise and Joe for their time this afternoon. Um, we are recording this out of hours, so I'm very grateful to them for giving up some time to do this. Um, and yeah, thank you guys so much for taking part. Look forward to seeing you on a future podcast, hopefully. Thank you. Thanks, listeners. We'll see you in the next podcast.